0: So James, starting in chapter 1, this is the beginning of the book of James. And I'm super pumped about the book of James because it is full of wisdom. It is intensely practical. And there's lots of images all over the book of James. He'll talk about like farmers and fruit and like waves in the ocean and all this stuff. And my brain likes to think in terms of images. So this is going to go real well. We're going to we're going to talk about some of those images tonight. Sound good? Mm -hmm. All right. Let's read it, and then we will discuss. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting. James, the one who wrote this book, you know that he is the little brother of Jesus Christ. James, the little brother of Jesus. All right. Um, To the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Greetings. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wind of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation." Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. Uh, For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. See those images I'm talking about? Withers, sun rising, beauty not lasting. Blessed... Verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for he has stood the test, and and he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. I like that term, the father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let uh, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being uh, being no hearer who forgets. But a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but receives uh, his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this. So this is what undefiled religion looks like in the eyes of God. To visit the orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's what it's all about. So, thinking about this book of James, right? Imagine an untested faith. How would you know if a faith is untested? Right? Can you imagine like a faith or a strength within a person that is untested? And when I mean untested, I mean you look at this faith, and you're like, wow, that's a strong-looking faith. But this person has never experienced any trials, any hardships, any sufferings. Then what they have is not really a strength of faith. What that person has is the potential for strength. Does that make sense? They have the potential that it could be strong, but if it's never come up against anything of resistance, we don't know whether it's strong or not. So the only way that we ever know if strength is worthwhile and worth its weight is if it's come up against a test and a trial and some suffering, and it has prevailed through the suffering and proven itself true. So an untested faith is not really a faith at all. I mean, it might be the seed of a faith, but it is not a faith that you can necessarily, like, count on. Like, if I'm picking teams, right, and I want to know if somebody is strong for my team, I want to look at not somebody who just looks strong in outward appearance, but I would rather pick somebody who has proven their strength through tests and trials and other sporting events and, and their strength has prevailed against opponents, I would trust that person because they've they've got a proven track record. And now James is saying that, hey, count it all joy, my friends, when you fall on various trials, because the testing of your faith produces this steadfastness. When you come up against this resistance, It develops within you like a patience and a steadfastness and a sturdiness and a strength in your faith that you don't get any other way. Think about this. A rushing river of light. Can you even conceive of that? Right? One time I went on this whitewater rafting trip on the Snake River up in Idaho and there's this Big huge river. It's got all kinds of rapids in it. We did it for like two and a half days over this weekend. And there's class one rapids, it's kind of where you start out. It's all nice and friendly and stuff. And then all of a sudden you get to a couple class five rapids and you're like thinking that you're just gonna fly out of the raft and like never be seen again. Right? Well anyway, I'm on this river and at the end of the first day, which was a Friday, we had to pull to the side of the river and set up camp and tents and cook food and do all this stuff. And I remember standing there and we, had, we were just having fun in the river and laughing and joking and being buds, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I remember staring at this rushing river that was right next to where we'd set up camp and looking at it and just kind of being in awe of the power of the river. Right? And I could look upstream, and I didn't know exactly where that water was coming from, but I remember I was up there earlier that day. And there were plenty of memories like draped along that river that had taken me to this point. And then I looked down the river, and it kind of curved left, and then it kind of curved right, and then I couldn't see what it did after that. But I knew that it was going somewhere. I knew that it was like this progression or this journey that would take us, Because we still had another day and a half of rafting to do. Right? And then, could you just imagine if this river was not made of water, but if this river was made of light? Can you use your imaginations in that way for a second? A rushing river of light. And what would that be like? Would it be like bright and brilliant? Would it be like glorious and radiant? And what would you feel like if you were close to that river? What would you feel like if you got inside that river? This rushing river of light, and it's almost kind of like that rushing river of light is like what God's word is to us, right? And we we look at the headwaters of this river and where is it originating from, this rushing river of light? It's originating from God's voice. God's voice speaks and he says things like, let there be light, and all of a sudden, boom, light, right? So he makes this light come into the world through the speaking of his word. And through his word, the Bible that we have itself, We've got this thing that's like a rushing river of light. And when we fall on various trials, we kind of go through this process of like being refined. And we can imagine like this mighty rushing river that's coming at us of like light and trials, and it's, it's got rapids in it, and we, we're, we're a little unsure about it. But we go and we dive into this river and it does this thing where it like washes over it, over us and we see in that river exactly what our faith is made of because when we humans as a mixture of both light and darkness right we've got the holy spirit inside of us testifying that there is goodness and light, and I'm remaking this person's heart and all that stuff. But then we've also got that sin inside of us that is dark and wicked and not good and like, doesn't please the Father. We've got, we've got both of those things inside of us. Right? And as we step into this rushing river of light, our faith is tested, and it's actually refined. And darkness is brought to the surface. And what, what is washed away from us as we step in this river is the darkness is washed away. See, that's the nature of God's word is that with the truth and the light that is in this book, it'll wash over us and refine us. And as it does that and we like step into this rushing river of light, It transforms us into something new so that when we go into the river and the trial and the struggle of this rushing river, it might be a little bit difficult to stand in that situation. However, what happens to us is a very good thing because when we come out of that river, we are not the same. When we've been washed by the word and the light of God. And when our faith has been tested and we've, when we've fallen on various trials, see, we fall on these trials and we look to the truth of the word. And it enters into our hearts and our souls and it transforms us from the inside out. And although we think about hardships and trials as like a bad thing, James is saying, hey, brothers, count it all joy. When you struggle, now how can he say count it all joy? Because we tend to look at the struggle itself and go, "Man, I don't want to do that. I don't even want to get in the river. I don't want to do. In- I don't want to go near. I don't even want to talk about. I don't even want to make a plan about it. I'm going to like run away from it, right? But James is saying, "Hey, count it all joy because when you." fall on various trials. I'm not going to look at the trials. I'm going to look at what comes out of the trials. What happens when you emerge from the rushing river of light is that you are more like Jesus. He'll go on to say, and this is just speaking wisdom, it's wisdom for us to recognize this that riches and beauty are like wildflowers riches and beauty are like wildflowers see we grow up in a world system that tells us hey you got to you got to go to school and you got to go to college and you got to get a good job so you can make lots of money and then you can have a beautiful wife or a beautiful husband and then together you can make beautiful kids right and that's like what life is all about apparently it makes so much money that you can like outdo your friends and like have more than them, and then they can be like just slightly jealous of you, right? That sounds exhausting. It does. And it's like this ongoing rat race. And if we don't pause and take a step back and look at the whole thing, then we'll forget. Hey, that's not what life is about. Right Sometimes when you start to pursue the call of God on your life, people will ask you questions like, "Oh my well, how are you going to make money?" which means in that person's understanding of what life is about, what is life about, according to that person, what is life about? Money, money right and if you're going to like Pick somebody who's gonna be your spouse eventually. What what is that person also concerned about? Well, are they good looking? Right? When they give you the eyebrows. Are they good looking? And what James is telling us to remember is not that beauty or riches are a bad thing. Beauty and riches can be a good thing and a gift from God and God can use them and he can bless you with riches, right? But he's saying don't get caught up in the idea that life is all about money and beauty because those two things are like a wildflower that when the sun comes up, in the blink of an eye, money and riches are going to go away. They will pass away. And the rich man who spent his whole life chasing after the riches of this life, he will die in the midst of his pursuit of money. And you would ask that man, oh man, did you ever get what you wanted? Did you ever have enough money? How much money would have been enough money? And with this wild look in his eye, he would just look at you and say, just a little bit more. Is that right? The pursuit of money, the pursuit of beauty, even the pursuit of pleasure and happiness and these things, if we, if we make those the foundation for our life, it's foolishness. And James is telling us, like, hey, don't live on these things because they're gone in, in the blink of an eye and the the woman who's a young woman and super beautiful and everybody admires her and all this stuff like before you know it she's going to be old and gray and wrinkled and maybe you've like built up this this massive wealth and you have all this money in the bank and you like to have extravagant parties where you show people exactly how much money you have right well, what if some catastrophe happens? And what if, what if something goes awry? And what if, what if your health goes in an unexpected direction and then all that money that you spend on pleasure, now you have to spend it on keeping yourself alive? What if that happens? So he's saying, hey, listen, don't get caught up chasing after those things. Instead, he says, ask for wisdom. Remember that you ask for wisdom. And wisdom, true wisdom that comes from God above will tell you that, hey, there is more to this life than just money and beauty. There is something bigger that is beyond this life. That is wisdom. Proverbs says that part of wisdom is learning to number our days and learning that we won't live forever and looking at life and saying, hey, There's more to this life than just outdoing everybody else in the rat race. And he says, if you're like this, then you're like this unstable wind at the sea. That when the wind blows you, whatever culture says is good and popular and you should pursue, like, you're just going after that. They're like, you know, oh, money, so you run over there. And oh, beauty, so you run over there. And oh, this girl and that guy and And this person's famous and popular. And then he's not so famous and popular. And then you have to throw out all his CDs because he got arrested and deported back to Canada. (laughs) I mean, things that we look to and value and are like, oh, these are the greatest. They disappear in the blink of an eye. He says, build your life on the foundation of God's word and keep asking for wisdom. And listen, he reminds you that if you ask for wisdom in this life, God's not going to get mad at you and say, oh, you're so dumb for being a fool. No, God's not going to get mad at you. He is going to give generously the gift of wisdom. In fact, that's maybe one of the best things that you can do is to pray to God and ask for wisdom. Because every time you ask for wisdom, He just gives it, and He pours it out generously. Right? I can think back on times in my life where I prayed and asked God for wisdom, and I, this was like, you know, as I'm younger and stuff. And then I come up to trials and various situations and waves that threaten to toss me to and fro and it is the wisdom that God has poured into me through these years that allows me to stand in that the tossing of the waves. And that allows me to stay centered on him. And, and I'm just reminded as he gives me the strength and the wisdom that, that allows me to stand in the waves, in the tossing of the waves, I recall back to prayers that I prayed years ago for wisdom. And he answered those. And I see the fruit of those prayers years ago, now. And I wonder if he was prompting me to pray for the wisdom back then, knowing what was just around the corner, and that I would need that wisdom to stand. And he goes, listen, if when your faith is tested and trials come against you and you're tossed by the waves, when you face hardships, if you are able to not lose your footing and if you are able to not get depressed and still count it all joy, if you can do this, and if when the waves toss you around, if you can stand back up by your faith That has been tested. And your strength and your hope in God. If you can stand back up. You receive the crown of life. Is that cool? When you step into the rushing river of light. And you're refined by the trials. And the temptations. And the washing of his word. And his word like just washes away every bit of darkness and debris and decay and just washes over you. And you stand back up and you walk out of that river. If you can do that by a faith that has been tested, you receive the crown of life. Congratulations. And what happens when you go into that rushing river of light and it washes all this darkness and wickedness out of you and the sin and it just purges you of it and you come walking out what's showing your true colors you're showing your true colors that's what's on display when you walk out of that river And now he reminds us in the second part of chapter 1, he goes, okay, be a hearer. Be not only a hearer of the word, but be also a doer. Right? Because if you're just a hearer of the word and you're not a doer of the word, you're like a man who went and looked at himself in the mirror and was like staring and going like, oh man, just, yep, me, just, yep, my hair and yeah, me. And you're just looking at yourself in the mirror. And then you run away, and you forget what you looked like, even though you were just staring at yourself in the mirror. So if you hear the word of God, but don't do anything about it, it's like a man who looks at himself in the mirror, and once he walks away, immediately forgets what he looks like. You see, what happens is that we are all filled. In fact, James says this. He goes, if you're like that, if you're a hearer and you forget what you look like really easily, you're like, you're deceiving yourself. You see, something that we are all filled with as humans is we're filled with self-deception. We are always deceiving ourselves. We are always telling ourselves that we're awesome (laughs) when really we're not. We're always telling ourselves that we're fine when things are wrong. We're always unwilling to confront our own wickedness and sinful nature. Right? And we would much rather point out other people's shortcomings than to look at our own problems. See, don't be like that guy who looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. Be like the guy who looks in the mirror and sees both the good and the bad. Like, okay, yeah, that's good. That's right there. Yep, I see how. Okay, yeah, that's a problem. Okay, yeah, I need to work on that. I'm feeling a little bit convicted right now. I should probably go apologize to this person. Like, I probably need to repent there. I need to grow there. I need to stop being mean and talking to this person this way. I need to forgive that person. You see, if you're not just a hearer of the word, but a doer you go up to the word of God and you open it up and it's like a mirror and it shines back at you and tells you one that you're good and God loves you and he forgives you and he's gracious but then at the same time like hey you're a sinner that's a problem so go to the word and let it wash over you and let it work its way into your soul And let it refine your heart. In fact, the promise of the Bible is that you once had hearts of stone, but I will give you hearts of flesh, says the Lord. You were once wicked and rotten and far off from God. You're like, how dare you say that about me? Sorry, me too. We were once these things, but he brought us near. And we were once in complete darkness and he did the awesome thing of putting his light inside of us. Now don't be someone who opens the Bible and then just lets it get easily forgotten when you walk away. Be the person who goes and opens the pages and looks and reads and sees stuff and says, oh, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're like, okay, yeah, i got to go do that. And, oh, hey, the next greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Then you're like, oh, dang, i got to go do that too. Who am I not doing that to right now? Who do I need to go love? Or then you, you're you filled with worry and doubt and fear over all these things, the circumstances that are coming against you. And then you open up the Bible and you read that God is faithful and he never gives up on you. Now, if you go away and you're still afraid and doubting and full of fear, then... Then you're being a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's saying, hey, come to this. Come to this Bible. Look at these pages. Look at these words. And let these words become a part of you. So much that they change the shape of your heart. And when you leave, you go and do something different. And you treat people different. And you live in a different way. Because you've been washed by the word. And it has transformed you. See when the Word of God comes inside of us, it pushes out wickedness. it pushes out darkness because this word is light, and when we take it in when we like ingest it when we like make it a part of us, when we like pray through it and meditate on it and do all these things when when we make it a part of us and we take it in it. Pushes out the darkness because the darkness can't stand to be somewhere where the light is. And James says, Hey, you do good to do that. Because when you take the light of the word into you, it saves your soul. Anybody care about their soul being saved? (laughs) Double checking. Be hearers, not only hearers, but doers of the word. Take these words and put them into practice. Get past the self-deception. Get past the lies that we tell ourselves that we're okay and everybody else is at fault. Get past the self-deception of being a man who looks at the word and says, everybody else is a sinner and I'm not. Get past that. And the way that you do this is we have to hear His voice. When we open these pages of this Bible, we don't just open it to like, I don't know, get some good stories or something like that. If you want a good story, like read a good novel. There are lots of stories in this Bible but the purpose of this is that we open it and we lick it and we go my God I am a terrible person. (laughs) That doesn't sound like a fun reason to read the Bible. But he goes hey listen if your faith is tested and you open up the word and you feel convicted good. But hey I don't want you to stay there. If there's a bunch of depressed, convicted people walking around talking about how terrible, how terrible they are. I'm just, I'm, I'm just depressed and, just, and nobody likes me and I'm just a bad person. And no, don't stay there. What he's saying is it convicts you enough to push out the wickedness and to replace it with light. And to cover you with God's grace and saying, yeah, no matter how messed up you are, God's grace and his love are bigger than that. Is that good news or is that good news? We have to open these pages and hear his voice. I mean, this is like the written word of God. But we have to hear the voice of God. And this is how we become familiar with his voice As we open these pages and we just read it. And we get familiar with the way that he talks and the way that he sounds and the way that he treats people. And we look at Jesus and his interaction and the teachings that he had. And we read in the prophets and all the places where it says, thus saith the Lord, you know. And what does it sound like when God talks? And the whole point is that we would hear God's word and simply do God's word. You have to hear first. Hear his voice. And then when you hear it, you do whatever it says. Be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Hear his voice and persevere through trials. And let your faith be tested and prove that it is strong and that it. It is a faith. And hey, no worries, because if you fall, God is there to pick you up. And he goes, check this out. Undefiled, pure, undefiled religion is this. You got to get this. This whole book is not about just keeping a list of rules if it's turned into keeping a list of rules it's turned into unpure and defiled religion right but he goes hey hey remember pure and undefiled religion religion the way it's supposed to be is this that you remember the poor and the powerless Remember the poor and the powerless and care for them. And not just hear God's word that says care for the poor and powerless, but like go out and do the caring for the poor and the powerless. And if this word of God it's, is doing its powerful thing that it is made to do, it will lead you to care for the poor and the powerless. And not just lift yourself up so that you can make lots of money and be beautiful and rich and famous and keep other people down. No. That's not what this whole thing is. He's like, it's flipping the tables. Remember this. The riches and the beauty fade quickly. But here's what happens. You... Read this and you understand God's vision for life and that it's totally upside down and that the the high and the mighty and the rich and the powerful, they're going to be humiliated. And the poor and the powerless, they're going to get raised up. So if he has for any reason, don't feel guilty if he's blessed you with money or beauty. Not a bad thing. Don't feel bad. But he's saying, hey, if you have received those blessings, remember that this is what they're for. That you care the poor and the powerless the orphans and the widows the homeless and then we, we gotta ask this question is your faith real? is it a real faith? and if it is a real faith that means that you will do the will of God So this is a call, James chapter 1, is a call to live authentically. Step into the rushing river of light. Let the word of God wash over you and displace any wickedness and darkness inside of you. Let it push it out. Let it purge it. Oh my gosh, that doesn't belong there. And let yourself emerge from the rushing river of light with darkness purged. As a new and transformed person who is showing your true Christ colors. It's a call to authenticity. It's a call to live the right way and with integrity and with wisdom and with uprightness and not like schmoozing people or telling people what they want to hear or like faking or cheating or any of this stuff. Like, hey, Persevere in the trials. Have the wisdom that there's more to this life, the riches and beauty. Like, come to the Word, and don't just forget it, but, like, go and do it. And God is like this gardener. Right? He wants to take the tool of His Word, and He wants to cultivate you like a gardener cultivates he wants to landscape your life with the truth of this word he wants to set your life according to his will and his purposes and his design and if our pride gets in the way of that then then we're not letting God do his gardening work in our lives So this is a call, like, hey, with humility and with wisdom and with understanding. Allow God to garden your soul with the light of His Word. And that life is far better than any other life that we could live. And what comes from that life that's been gardened by the word although that process sounds a little bit not fun is this overflowing unbounded joy and this fruit from the Holy Spirit and then oh my gosh all of a sudden you're like this tree that's like growing down these deep roots and then it's like sprouting up and growing this fruit that is so sweet and you're this person that everybody wants to be around because you're producing that fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's like sweet and tasty and beautiful and honest and good and pure. I don't want to I just give us a of Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you guys have fun. Uh, let's pray real quick. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you uh, for this message from Uh, from your little brother James. And we pray, God, that um, your word would do its work in our life. And that we would allow you to be the gardener who just uh, transforms us by your word. And we lift all these requests up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.